listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hello, David. Hello, Bob. How are you doing? Pretty well. Been a long time. Missed you. Been a while. Oh, it's so nice of you to say that, David. I've missed you. You were one of the original, you know, this platform long ago when it launched in 2005. I mean, I'm not claiming to be a big podcast pioneer or anything, but back when it launched in 2005, it was called Blogging Heads TV, and you were one of the first non-Bob, non-Mickey guests, as we say in the podcast industry. I know it's 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 on the it's on the top of my resume. Uh, I you know I did stuff with you and Mickey, but also got into this regular routine with Jim Pinkerton. That's right, and I I I enjoyed it a lot. You know the. Couple of dozen viewers we had seemed to enjoy it a lot. David, David, now whoa, 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 whoa! You know, one <laughs> distinction that you and Jim Pinkerton had is when we were for a time uh, featured. We were a New York Times feature. Yes, we featured were. in the homepage of the New York Times, and you were our debut dialogue. I humbly allowed yes, you to, no. to take the honors, having set up that pedestal for you. And what do I get for it? What do I get for it? <laughs> I, I will say that. The thing about blogging heads that I really, I mean, I loved having good conversations with you, Mickey, and 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 Jim back back in the day in the in the pre-Trump days, particularly mm -hmm. uh, when you could have actually reasonable disagreements with people on the other side of the ideological divide. Mm -hmm. But when I would run into people who had watched Blogging Heads TV, they were I don't want to quite say cultists. But they were real fans. These were the type of people who would sit down and listen, watch for an hour of a conversation that would go deep into politics and to policy. And they relished these conversations that you had started, that, that you had that it, uh, and others had who participated in blogging ads. And it was really quite re rewarding for those of us who live in a, very much in a soundbite culture to be able to have those engagements and then to see there was whatever the size there was indeed an audience for it and yes i was quite proud to pleased and so was my mom when mm -hmm. i appeared on the new york times um you know web yeah, website with blogging heads tv yeah no it was an oasis of civil debate with the possible exception of your conversation with byron york which we won't go into which we <laughs> won't go into uh, but that was, in retrospect, uh, a harbinger of polarization to come, I would say. that. I've forgotten that one, but now, you know. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet yes. Byron has too. We all repress our painful memories. Um, so, listen, this is, I think, going to be the first uh, podcast ever devoted to uh, Russiagate and Buddhism. And the way it came about is this. Uh I, I think, if I recall, I, I on Twitter, uh, identified myself as a Russiagate skeptic, as I'm inclined to do. And you, I don't know, probably mildly chastised me or something. Uh, and, then we, we, and then we got into a DM conversation, and it became evident that you had actually read my book, Why Buddhism is True. And although you didn't quite put it this way, I think, yo, you're holding up my book. Oh, we're going to have to hold up your book in a second. Thank you. God bless you. And as I, you didn't, again, this is subtext, you didn't quite say this, but I think the deal is you would like me to be your spiritual guide, life coach, and you would like to pay me a large sum of money for that service. Is that 
Do I have that right? No, 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 no. You, 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 you misinterpreted my intention. Oh. Uh, what I was kind of proposing was more of a barter, not a payment, in which I would disabuse you of your misguided notions about the Trump Russia scandal, and, and so you would hold you would, my book up, and, I, and so you would find the way of enlightenment and truth. Uh -huh. in this very important matter of, of, of public import. And in return, you could help save my soul with Buddhism and the meditative path. Okay, let's do that instead. Okay. And then if at the end you feel, you know, there is this tradition in Buddhism, it's called Donna, voluntary <laughs> donations to spiritual teachers. I'll yes. leave it up to you. There are envelopes in the uh, lobby. Uh, with my you, know, you need a QR. Them. You need a QR code these days. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So yeah. So this is not. So the first part of this is not like a debate about Russia Gate because I'm not that well versed. Mm -hmm. uh, you are. Um, I'm a Russia Gate skeptic. And let me talk about my evolution a little. I was for a time a Russia Gate ag agnostic. The the. Uh, precursor of my current newsletter, non-zero newsletter, which I should plug. We should go ahead and plug your newsletter. Yeah, my um, newsletter is called Rland. Um, you can sign up for a free trial subscription mm -hmm. at davidcorn.com. That's our land, not, not like our land in the sense of the letter R. It's not like a Republican newsletter. Oh, you are. All our land. And then like you this, have a book. You should plug your book. I have a new book out, and I'll hold mine up. It's called American Psychosis, Psychosis mm -hmm. a historical investigation of how the Republican Party went crazy. And what it is is a 70-year history of the relationship between the GOP and far-right extremism, showing how the party has always, always, always both exploited and encouraged of far-right radical extremism, paranoia, mm -hmm. grievances, conspiracy theories, and that it didn't start with Trump. There was a deep foundation there that he then took into hyperspace. Does Joseph McCarthy make an appearance? Joe, it kind of starts with the, with the tail, 50s. Tail, tail gun of Joe? And then Birch's Society and the new right of the 70s and the religious right of the 70s and Reagan working with them, the Tea Party, New Kinridge, uh, Christian coalition led by noted conservative, uh, noted conspiracy theorist wacko Pat Robertson, Making deals with the you know with both Bushes, so it just travels that 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 weird you know always there crazy uncle in the attic relationship that the Republican Party establishment has had with the fringe. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the the you know the Republicans have their side of the story and their the accusations they could level at Democrats for. Uh, you know, contributing to the mess we're in. But I got to say, as a, as somebody left of center myself, I have been more aware of, I, I mean, I, I remember the Newt Gingrich era is so vivid. I mean, he was a little bit of a pioneer. I mean, yes. maybe the whole thing started before that in your view, but I, I got to say at that point, I do think he was outdoing any Democratic, any Democratic counterparts on the dishonesty front. I mean, that said, until I've, you know, I, I, I'm sure well, there, there are a lot of Democrats point, I'm not proud of in the in the history well, the of point, our party. The point, of, the, point of, the point of the book is that there has been an asymmetry. There is nobody who has on in in in, a, in high Democratic positions mm -hmm. um, who have had the relationship 
with radicalism and, and who, who advanced conspiracy theories and exploited them and coaxed them along as much as there have been on the Republican side, from Barry Goldwater and the John Birch Society, to Newt Gingrich and the militias, to the Tea Party and Sarah Palin, to Trump and QAnon. There's just no equivalent political dynamic on the Democratic side, whatever you want to say about the Democrats and liberals. Yeah, it has seemed that way to be. Again, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, uh, the Republicans have there are a lot of Democrats I'm not proud of uh, who, who have not contributed to uh, enlightenment. I would say, but uh, uh, but that's yeah. I, I, it seemed a little asymmetrical to me. Maybe it's just that the Democrats use different tricks that they should be ashamed of than the Republican tricks. But I, I share your initial perception that there's been an asymmetry. Anyway, the book. Everyone should read the book. Um, so my deal on Russia Gate was now back the precursor of the non-zero newsletter, and this is called the non-zero podcast, by the way, um, was called Mindful Resistance. It was my first newsletter. And the idea was it was right after that Buddhism book came out. And the idea was that the uh resistance to Trump was in some ways overdone, uh, you know, uh too reactive for its own good and not kind of considered and reflective enough. In other words, in some respects, I thought we were playing into his hands uh, by helping him fire up his base and things like that. I don't want to uh, get into that deeply, but I will say that the position I took in the newsletter was, you know, and look, I was hoping that they would find the smoking gun because I considered him a threat to the Republic. And I think subsequent events, including January, uh, his behavior since the last election, up to and including January 6th, bear me out. Um, I totally wanted him to, uh, you know, get get impeached and, and so on. Uh, but the position I took in the newsletter was, look, we haven't seen a smoking gun. And if we claim there is one, when there isn't one, we may wind up, you know, again, playing into his hands, looking like we overdid it. So I was hopeful, but agnostic. And I still haven't seen the smoking gun, and you're going to, uh, I guess, try to persuade me that I should in some sense rethink. The, yes. the, uh, the context for this, by the way, uh, our, our most recent interaction on this, was this Jeff Girth piece in Columbia Journalism Review. You had written a reaction to it, and I want to quote from your reaction because uh, it seems to me you're kind of moving the goalposts a little. You're, ma you're making more modest claims about what Russiagate is then we're at least at one point made for it. But uh, so that that's the, the argument I'm going to make. Again, I'm not super well-versed in this stuff, so you will win on points, I'm sure, if we, <laughs> you know. But, but, uh, but uh, anyway, is there anything you want to uh, say before, before we uh, dispose of this subject and get, get to my being your, uh, your spiritual leader? Um, well, if you want to start with a quote from my piece, where I'm happy to do that, I will just preface, and I'll get back to explain this, that when you say there's no smoking gun, it depends what you're looking for in terms of a smoking gun. Mm -hmm. I believe there are many smoking guns, uh, and I will explain how the narrative has been defined in a way to minimize and to, in some ways, disappear the smoke that is there. 
So, but you you can start with the you know with the, okay. with the passage that you wanted to introduce. Okay, so it's basically uh, you know Gerth wrote this long piece about the failings of mainstream media in covering Russia Gate, especially the New York Times, where he was for a long time an investigative reporter, and you know he basically said. Uh, they they kept jumping the gun and saying they had more on Trump than they did and uh, not doing a good job of, of like interviewing all parties, both sides and so on. And in one case, at least, you know, the FBI, people in the FBI were saying, where is the New York Times getting this shit? This is just not not the case, as mm -hmm. I understand it. There was a there was a New York Times piece that somebody in the FBI like marked up and said, like, this isn't true. This isn't true. This mm -hmm. so. You know, you don't you don't have to defend the New York Times. You don't work there, the, but Correct. that was a that was a big part of his uh, his indictment. And you conceded that he uh, he he you know he he really you know he he made a certain number of valid points in his media criticism criticism. And then you write the following uh, that that um, yet the focus on collusion. And the steel material, meaning the steel dossier, has been a purposeful distraction meant to obscure the basics of the scandal, colon. Vladimir Putin attacked the 2016 election in part to help Trump win. And Trump and his aides aided and abetted this assault on American democracy by denying such an attack was happening. Trump provided cover for foreign adversaries subverting the US election. Uh, throughout the thousands and thousands of words Gert generates, he downplays or ignores these fundamentals and how the media in 2016 uh, covered them, which you add was shoddily, in parentheses. Um, instead, he zeroes in on the reporting related to collusion and steel. In doing so, he offers an examination predicated on a skewed view of reality. Now, I'm not, I, I didn't go back and review your whole Russiagate no. oeuvre. So I don't know to what extent you sure. were or were not emphasizing collusion, but I want to say, I pretty clearly remember that that was a central thrust of the indictment article. Luke, this guy, Luke Harding wrote a whole book called Collusion. Right. And I, I specifically remember this moment when he was being interviewed on Fresh Air. And he said, I don't remember what had, pre had preceded this, but he cited some evidence and he said, if that's not collusion, I don't know what is. And I thought, are you on drugs? That's like pointing at a cat and saying, if that's not a dog, I don't know what it is. He had absolutely not established collusion in whatever it was he had said. And then he just okay. called I it see, collusion. I and, see where you're I see where you're coming from. So let okay. me try to break it down here in simple, digestible, bite-sized pieces. Terms I um, can understand. Well, that, for everybody. That simple? Okay. 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 So let's I'll come back to collusion in a second. Okay, I'm not skipping out on this. I don't want anyone to think that I'm going away from that. I'll come back to that in a second. Let's talk about what we know and what we saw with our own eyes at the time. Okay, we know that Russia attacked the election to help Trump win. Well, we um, could we, we should drill that, down on that later, but but on yeah, what yeah, they they yeah, they, but, but, they but, definitely but, did things that that okay. uh, oh, yeah. but I mean how great they were is another question. But who but says that the intelligence community assessed that in its twenty early twenty seventeen report? Robert Mueller Mueller said the same thing in his report that came out in twenty nineteen, and what is the most significant and most 
comprehensive government account of what happened with Russia 2016 election. The Senate Intelligence Committee report produced in August 2020, mm-hmm. when the committee was led by Marco Rubio, noted Republican. This is a fully bipartisan report signed off on by the Republican and Democratic members of the committee, said the same thing, that Russia attacked the election in 2016, in part to sow discord, but also in part to help Donald Trump win. Okay, so we all know that happened. We know that the Russians broke into the DNC server and they released 22,000 or so documents and emails right before Hillary Clinton's convention in July of 2016. Now, I should just add, some questions have been raised about how thoroughly nailed down that part is, but go ahead. Yeah, questions that those questions have been basically smothered. I mean, there were some people who've raised that question, but all three of the reports I cited, um, Robert Mueller has had indictments against the people who actually did the break-in and, you know, noted cyber experts. The only people who have raised questions, you know, the Nation Magazine raised questions about this in a piece that has been totally, thoroughly debunked and based on conspiracy theories, theorists. So I don't think there's really much what piece but is that? It was a piece based on the VIP, veterans of intelligence, veteran intelligence professionals. It was a piece the nation basically, if you read the editor's notes, a note attached to it, has quasi-retracted. They can't quite do it, but they've quasi-retracted. Um, is that by Aaron Maté? Uh, no, but his reporting is associated with some of this. Okay. But nevertheless, just... I'm telling you, you know, you, we can get into that. That that's going even deeper into the weeds. Well, let me let me just say, say what. Let, that, let, let, let me okay. finish my point. Okay. okay, let me finish my point. So, they did that with the convention, and then there is, and then in October of 2016, after breaking into John Podesta's um, email uh, through WikiLeaks, this Russian operation every day for the last month practically every day for the last month of the campaign, released a new little scooplet that dominated the news cycle and the campaign coverage. And it was always negative about Hillary. And they this came out, started coming out the day that the Access Hollywood tape came out. So all these reports have pointed to these hack and leak operations as being Russian operations designed to help Trump and hurt Hillary there's a whole separate issue of the social media work that the Internet Research Agency mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. you know, which was to create trouble, mostly to help Trump. There are debates about how much influence it may or may not have had. We can put all that aside because it's really, at the end of the day, it's the Podesta hack and leaks that had, I think, the most impact on the campaign. I agree um, with that. So, Okay, and so I think in a you know so I think you can make the argument that those that that operation was one out of six, ten, twelve, eighteen, whatever you want to pick, decisive factors. Any one of them flipped the other way could have turned the election. That could be Hillary Clinton not going to Wisconsin. I'm not you know I mean there it was such a close election that there are a lot of different things done a different way would have had a different outcome. But I think that's one of those things. So I think in the end of the day, the Russians can claim credit or success that their operation worked. So 
this is happening throughout 2016. While this is going on, while America is being attacked through information warfare by a foreign adversary to screw up one of the most foundational aspects of our society, a free and fair election, Donald Trump and his minions ran interference for this. And the metaphor I've used in the past is, okay, there's a bank being robbed. Someone is standing in front of the bank. They know the bank is being robbed. And people walking by are, you know, are asking what's going on. And they're saying, nothing. There's no bank robbery here. Now, they may not have planned the bank robbery. They may not even end up with the money from the bank robbery. But they are helping the bank robbers by saying that what's happening is not happening. Now, you ask, how did they know this? Well, to begin with, there was plenty of public attribution throughout the 2016 campaign. You mean, Russians... how did they know what? How did the Trump people I mean, know? How did they know the bank was being robbed? How did they know that the Russians oh. were doing this? Okay. okay. There was plenty of public attribution. Now, they you know, would claim, well, you know, we didn't believe that or whatever. But this is the crucial point. In July, excuse me, in early June of 2016, uh, before the DNC hack was revealed, before the information was released at the start of the convention, before obviously the October 2016 hacking leak operation, in 2016, the Trump campaign gets a message. We, you know, the Kremlin wants to help you. It is sending a secret emissary with dirt on Hillary Clinton. Will you meet with her? This was an emissary who was also tied to Russian intelligence. Is this and this they, is who? This is Konstantin? Uh, no, 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 no. This is uh, Natalia. Oh, shoot. I should know her name now. Anyway. Well, well at what level was the communication? Like, what kind of Trump official got the message and... Donald Trump Jr., who then sent the email to Paul Manafort, then the CEO, and a guy named Jared Kushner, who you might have heard of. Sure. Okay. So all now, three. Now, this is them, not the if it's what you say, I love it, yes, is it? This, this is, is, uh, this is this if is it's what Donald you say, Trump I love it. Response to this. If, you, if this is what you say, it is, I, yeah, I love it. I, <laughs> and they ended, up, they ended up meeting with her. Right. And and the information she had, as far as we know, was not of much use. It was convoluted. It was about Hillary Clinton and some donations. But the key thing here is in the email setting this up that Donald Trump Jr. responded to, if you say what it is, I love it, that was shared with yeah. Manafort and Jared Kushner. Yeah. It is said that this meeting is part of a Russian effort to help the Trump campaign. Yeah, and he would have been willing to play ball, and I'm sure Donald Trump would have been willing to play ball. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah. So what what they're being told here, and the person is being sent by the equivalent of the Attorney General of of, of Russia. So there's no question that it's tied to the Russian government. Um, So they're being told here, Russia wants to secretly help you win and is taking steps to do so. This meeting didn't pan out, but nevertheless, this is what Russia is doing. So when the hack and leak operation starts becoming public, when the information is 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 is, is released publicly, mm-hmm. what does Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr., Paul Manafort, and all the others do? 
they say, no, this isn't Russia. You're just making this up. They lie. They mm -hmm. knew that a foreign adversary wanted to help them, and they decided not to tell the FBI, not to tell the CIA, not to tell you and I and the American voters. And then when, then when it started being revealed that there was an information war project operation being run against the election, they then say, no, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. So this is the this goes back to the bank metaphor. They knew there was a bank robbery going. They had been told a bank robbery would happen or was underway. And then they get out there and they tell everyone, no, it's not happening. This is, I think, betrayal of the American system. You know, they could have stayed quiet and said, well, we make it some advantage out of this. So let's not say anything. But no, they get out there and they repeat what Putin is saying. Putin is saying, we're not doing this. There's nothing happening here. There's no Russian attack. There's no Russian involvement in this election. And Trump says that throughout the whole campaign. Says that, remember, at the debates, they get into this. He goes, I don't know it's Russia. It's some guy in the basement, you know, in pajamas, perhaps. They knew Russia was playing in this, playing secretly in this game. And so that at the base, that baseline, put aside anything about collusion. I'll get to collusion in a moment. I haven't forgotten. But that baseline itself is, you know, Trump trying to help an adversary who is trying to subvert an American election. And there are ramifications to this. Because he took this line when Barack Obama went to uh, Mitch McConnell, you know who he is, and mm -hmm. said, the Russians are attacking the election. We need to have a united front and work together to tell the public what is happening and to tell the Russians to knock it off. Mitch McConnell said, no. Why could he not do that? Because his presidential nominee was out there saying this wasn't Russia. So he could not get out there and say it without creating you know, a, a, a rift in the party weeks before the, the, the general election. So I think that as a, at a minimum, Trump was abetting this Russian attack. And in fact, if you look at the, um, the, this, the, abetting, by, the by, by, by concealing uh, your, by helping to conceal, you're saying it abetting. Yes, by, abetting. by telling people it's not happening and, mm -hmm. and, and making it political and, and, you know, making it tribalized. And by, you know, I mean, they had reason to suspect that Russia was indeed the ones. In fact, they knew more than the U.S. intelligence community at the time that Russia was, the, the U.S. intelligence community at this point was trying to figure out what's going on with this election. What is Russia doing? Is it doing anything? Are these Russian attacks? Actually, the Trump people knew. They had more information than the U.S. intelligence community did at this point in time. And... um so I think in, 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 in that sense, I mean, if you look at the, go back to the bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee report that came out in 2020, it says that the Trump campaign took steps to undermine attribution to Russia, meaning they mm -hmm. had reason to believe it was Russia and they were out there saying, no, it is not Russia. This is not you know a foreign interference to help us. And I think that's a damning indictment right then and there that they basically were in league. And they sent this by having that meeting, with the emissary, they sent the signal to Russia. Yeah, we're with you. Go ahead. Do this. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to 
rat you out. We're not going to say no. This is an American election. Stay out of this. Um, I mean, there were a lot of other things going on okay. at the same time. Trump had been trying to build this Trump Tower in Russia that would land him hundreds of millions of dollars, telling the public that he had no dealings with Russia and keeping it secret throughout the campaign. And while he had, you know, uh, and up until the, around the time he had this meeting, his aides had this meeting with the Russian emissary. I mean, he was covering up a lot of things regarding Russia. So I think that, you know, I think this is Benedict Arnold okay. type of stuff. Okay. Can right I? Here there. Okay, now, I, I can move to collusion in a well, second. Let me, let me, yeah, let, but let me, let me, I have some things. things and I, and I, I'll just say, I have always said that, and it's not a moving of goalposts. I mean, you haven't gone back and read everything I've written. I, I, I don't expect you to, but I've never been out there and have said it's collusion, collusion, collusion. I think what Trump did was he knew what he had done. Mm-hmm. And he craftily said, there's no collusion because he knew there was no direct collusion between him and Russia. He knew that, you know, they didn't he didn't talk to them about what to do okay. and what to leak and what to attack in a, in a cyber way. So when he's he set the bar at this collusion level. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of his opponents, and a lot of people in the media kind of saw that as the narrative. That mm-hmm. was the hit or miss target. That's what Mueller was going to do or not, you know, prove or not prove. and. It worked to Trump's benefit because the real, you know, it was sort of like, you know, instead of like, you know, um, what's a good example here? Okay, he, he said, so instead of saying, um, I did not steal a billion dollars, you know, he only stole ten million. You know, he he, he made a bigger crime. Okay. The the the. Okay, the let me let me. Can I say a couple of things first? Of all, I wanted away from from the other from okay. the. From the and it's smaller crime. Okay, so first of all, I, I want to because I brought up this uh, DNC hack thing. I want I want to go ahead and and tie a bow on that and, and 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 finish that off. The first of all, I agree that was the most consequential thing in all of this. The uh, the, the the mainstream media, which at that point, whatever their sympathies may have been, and I'm sure most of the reporters at the Washington Post and New York Times wanted Hillary to win. The fact is they were assuming she was going to win. Right. So they kind of felt free to, I mean, this is my interpretation, but they 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 ran with the DNC stuff and ran a lot of pieces that were embarrassing to her, including some that didn't have much in the way of a foundation, that were just right. like vague innuendo and stuff. So that absolutely hurt her. Now, now the question of of whether the Russians did it, I, I don't know. I will say, you know, one piece of like, I, I thought I should do a little preparation for this conversation. I thought, should I go actually read that 20,000 words of Jeff Gerth? No. However, I will listen to a podcast conversation featuring him. And he and it was with him and Aaron Maté while I took a walk. And Aaron brought up the, 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 the point that uh, I think it's a case that it wasn't, first of all, it was not a government investigative agency. It wasn't the FBI or anything that, that ever actually examined the evidence and concluded that Russians had hacked the computer. The job was kind of outsourced to a group called CrowdStrike. No, see, this is wrong. Aaron okay, Mate, wait, 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 he, wait, 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 wait. He didn't say that on this podcast. That's my understanding. What he said yeah. on the podcast is that the guy from CrowdStrike, uh, in congressional testimony, when they said, "Do you actually have evidence that Russia re- removed emails from the server?" The guy said, "No." 
But 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 are you telling me that the FBI actually did the hands-on investigation? Yes, this is what Robert Robert Mueller did. Well, Robert, it's in yes. his report. But did did FBI guys yes, do yes. the? Yes, they got mirror images of the DNC servers. They indicted two dozen members of the Russian hacking team mm-hmm. for breaking into these servers. They there is no debt. You know. You know okay. Okay. It, it, it's what the intelligence community assessment said in 2017. It's what the bipartisan committee said. They're, you know, Matte is just trying to create, you know, it's like, how do you know? Wait, 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 David, 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 I have to be clear. I did not hear him say what I just okay. said. Okay. Well, what, what, what he said here, was that this guy in his congressional testimony conceded they didn't have evidence that the Russians took the emails. There were, were notable. Crowd of uh, 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 strike and, and others, um, you know, looked at all sorts of evidence when it first came out that there was a hack, and they assessed it was the it was it was the Russians. You know, the FBI and government agencies, you know, have investigated at that point and on, and they have confirmed this in October seventh, uh, twenty sixteen. The intelligence community put out an assessment. Uh, this was the same day that the Access Hollywood story came out and kind of got you know blown off by that, that Russians were responsible for that hack. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and these are agencies that did do the investigative work. So they so, had and, as direct access to the evidence as CrowdStrike had. They had, I think they had more access. I, I mean, I don't know if they had, the, the forensic cyber experts mm-hmm. of the FBI and others got, you know, because this is what Trump has said forever. They never got the servers. The servers went to Ukraine, which is crap. No, they got mirror images of the server for their investigations. Mm-hmm. And they, and the and, and Mueller is quite clear, you know, Mueller's investigation is conducted by FBI agents, yeah. you know, that this is, that it was Russia that did this. You know, only dead enders at this point, you know, try to cherry pick a, a point here or a point there to raise an issue about this. But, you know, this, again, FBI, CIA, NSA, Senate, Republicans and Democrats and private intelligence services and independent um, cyber, I mean, private cyber services and independent cy- uh, cyber operatives and experts have all reached this consensus. Okay, And, you know, through forensic evidence and, and, and even... You know, you have, um, you know, Pergazin, who ran the IRA, which is different than the hack leak, you know, is out there in the last year or two saying, yeah, we did this. He's the the Wagner guy? The Wagner guy. He ran the IRA, the the investigative research agency in St. Petersburg, which did did the online stuff, which is, I think, is of of questionable impact in my view. But I'm saying, you know, there's no real, you know, there's no real debate here whether or not it was. Russia that did this, you know, because then you, what did you have? You had you had Julian Assange and you had others saying it was Seth Rich, which is a libel on a guy who was killed, you know, tragically, you know, on the streets of Washington and in, 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 in what seems to be a, a botched robbery attempt. You know, they've tried to pin it on him, which is what the Russians try to do too. Michael Isikoff, my co-author of Russian Roulette, had a good story about how Russian intelligence tried to spread the Seth Rich story. So they're, they're out there with pushing disinformation on this. So, um, you know, that's why it's kind of hard to have an honest debate. Okay. 
Let me. There really is no debate. Let me. Okay, we, we've definitely uh, reached and exceeded my own uh, knowledge okay. about the the uh, DNC hack. But uh, let me let me on your broader argument. Let me say. Um, so you're saying uh, the Russians were uh, to significantly interfering with the election. You would cite the DNC hack. They were also doing some of this online stuff. I'm not sure yeah. how impactful that was, but they were doing some. Um, and and that the Trump administration had good reason to strongly suspect that this wasn't going on. They had evidence that at the time others didn't have, including this uh, approach to Donald Trump Jr. Now, let me say, in a way, parenthetically, on the approach to Donald Trump Jr., um, although I suspect this this parentheses may lead us uh, off on another discussion, but my my sense was that one interpretation of that, you know, apparently the meeting they had at Trump Tower wasn't uh, wasn't very satisfying from the point of view of people on the Trump side who would have loved for them to enter, right. you know, that, to play a- ball. And 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 my take, just tell me if you think this is plausible, is that this woman who had arranged the meeting. I mean, it's true that the uh, attorney general of Russia was kind of involved, but it seems like she had some agenda she wanted to push on Capitol Hill. She wanted to get them involved in lo- in, in her lobbying for something or other. And I, I kind of thought, I lo- let me just finish. I got the impression that she had maybe enlisted the help of this attorney general guy who was her friend so she could go push her agenda on these guys and actually wasn't fundamentally interested herself uh, in in helping, uh, you know, in helping uh, Trump win the election. But but what? Well, well, to begin with, what happened at the meeting, we only know from people's accounts. We don't right. have any, there's no tape recording. There's no memo that was written. We know right that afterwards. Jared left after right. so, some amount of time. But we know that he said he left, oh. okay, at some point in time. To me, the you know, the importance of the meeting is not what happened. It's what they were told in setting up the meeting. Right. I get Russia, that. Okay. And so whatever happened at the meeting, okay, so they were disappointed. It didn't work out. Um, but then when it, and this meeting is all before any evidence of a Russian attack on the election is occurring. When there is then evidence of a Russian attack on the election, they you know, are out there saying there is no Russian attack. There's nothing happening. A, they had no basis for saying this because they had no facts other than right. what they knew about this meeting. So they're out there throwing up dust and 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 trying to distract and trying to deflect when I would say that I think they had an understanding that there was. And we left out a very important piece, which I'm now going to introduce to the jigsaw puzzle here. And it's going to overlap with collusion. I promised you I would not you know, get away from collusion, though I don't think that's necessary to damn and indict Donald Trump, at least indict in a philosophical manner here. And that is Paul Manafort. He was meeting throughout the campaign with a guy named Konstantin Kalimnik. Kalimnik, um, of Ukrainian and Russian origins, had been a business partner of his or a business associate when Manafort was working in Ukraine years earlier, you were doing political consulting work and, and, and making a shitload of money. And it was part of that money that led to his indictment and his imprisonment. But um, he was meeting secretly with Kalimnik throughout this. 
Now I'm going to go back to the bipartisan Senate Intelligence Committee report that came out in 2020. They identified Kalimnik, as Mueller did in his way, um, as a Russian intelligence officer. He was meeting with a Russian intelligence officer. He was. So was he one? Down. Do you think he was one? I mean, I you know, Mueller has said this. They've said this. Uh, and also the Trump Treasury Department that sanctioned Kalimnik mm-hmm. said that he was tied to Russian intelligence. So I mean, they all must have, know something. And there's no reason, there's no reason for the Rush for the Trump Treasury Department to cite him as a Russian intelligence asset if he's not. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for them to do that. Um, so Manafort was meeting with this guy throughout this, and as was kind of widely reported, he was giving him polling data and internal information, whatever that meant. But there was something else going on that is kind of more important now. Kalimnik was pushing on Manafort a Ukraine peace plan in which Russia, you know, which had invaded Crimea and other parts of uh, eastern Ukraine at that point in time, would get a certain amount of that territory and there would be a new election for a Ukrainian leader. And he was trying to get Manafort to get Trump to um, to to approve that or to to back that. And he, this continued even after the election, even after Manafort was no longer working with Trump. These conversations continued. Um, so it, this has the semblance of a quid pro quoish relationship. We are helping you, um, as you know, it, it, and and we're asking Trump to back this, which indeed, just a few days ago, Trump came out, you know, in support of that general notion. I'm not saying that that's the the exact, you know, quid pro pro going back to the 2016 conversations, but that's what they were aiming, that's what Kalimnik was aiming to do. Again, the Senate bipartisan intelligence committee report noted, this is in 2020, uh, long after the Mueller report, that Kalimnik, they found evidence that Kalimnik himself was connected to the hack and leak operation. Part of that report is redacted. We don't know what they mean by that. We don't know what that connection might have been. And they also said they found two pieces of evidence suggesting that Manafort, that when he was CEO of the Trump campaign, Mm -hmm. was connected to that or knew of uh, information about this hack and leak operation. So... I don't know if you look, you know, as as I said repeatedly, you don't need collusion to say Trump betrayed America. But now if you're looking at the head of his campaign meeting with a Russian intelligence officer who might have been, you know, who the committee says there's evidence that he was involved in the hack and leak operation, you're getting really a lot closer to to collusion here. I don't know, but but nevertheless, okay. this, you know, the 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 Senate report in the non-redacted section, said that Paul Manafort was a grave counterintelligence threat through his meetings. Well, with, almost inherently, you know, that guy's so shady and had so many yeah, different but connections. Like he was but, running Trump's campaign. Right, I, mean, I know. He, I know, I understand so, that. So let, let me, okay, campaign. so let me let me say two things. First of all, let's bracket collusion so, for but now. No, but my, my point is, I sidestepped into collusion, but my main right. point was that 
the Trump campaign, its leader, who was out there denying Russia is involved mm-hmm. with Trump, with Trump Jr. and everyone else in the campaign, the leader of the campaign is meeting with a Russian intelligence officer who, you know, the committee says has evidence was involved in this particular attack. Okay. So, um, so it goes back to, well, they knew shit was happening and they decided to tell the public that okay. it wasn't happening. So it's even more of a cover okay. operation. So and that's, issue of whether that's there the was core. Collusion, well, Manafort meeting with someone who might've been involved. That's the core of your indictment. Let me talk about that part for a second. So you're saying uh, Trump knew or should have known Russians were doing all this shit. Um, and yet he denied it. Uh, that's yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, that that's certainly possible. I would say two things. I mean, for, first of all, and, and nothing I say is meant to, you know, defend Trump. Uh, he's, you know, he uh, don't get me started on Trump, but um, <laughs> you know, Pretty much any politician, if they're running for president and you say China is doing things to help them, um, they're probably first reaction is going to be to deny it. China, Russia, whatever, some enemy is doing something to help them. Their first reaction is probably going to do some uh, is going to be to deny it. And uh, if. If now, if you present them with undeniable evidence that it's happening, some of them might say, "Well, I regret that they think I can help them. I certainly don't plan to help them." Some might say that, uh, but it, it's not surprising that the, the 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 reaction would be, "No, it's not happening," even if they suspected it was happening. And again, we don't know that they knew, knew, knew that like the Russians did the Democratic hack or anything. And again, well, that me- the meeting in Trump Tower, I would say one more thing, kind of in their defense, I guess, it turned out to be disappointing. It wasn't somebody coming here saying, here's what we're going to do to help you win the election, and here's what we want in return. Now, the the uh, so I don't know. Look, I'll grant that uh, Trump was not com- forthcoming about what reasons he had to know or suspect that Russia may have been trying to help him. And I will concede that Russia was in some sense trying to interfere with the election, although, you know, part of their operation just seems to have been to just fuck with shit. I mean, there was one, apparently they had they had planned, I, I don't doubt that they wanted Trump to win, but some of their plans were just about, like, they planned to have a protest, I think, uh, of the election results, regardless of who won. That was already on the books, right? So, but that aside, um, I grant all that. I just want to get back to the the, the fact that like many Americans, I thought we were talking about collusion. That's what it, look, the, again, you know. You fell for it. Well, I fell for what? Almost everyone claiming, talking about Russia gate. You know, do you remember Ben Wittes had this cannon he would fire on Twitter, the toy cannon, every yeah. time significant evidence happened? Well, the time that the cannon really, uh, you know, shot its wad, so to speak, was the time that uh, that BuzzFeed published a, state, uh, a, a story that I remember reading that story and going, whoa, this is getting close. And then they had to basically retract it. You may remember this story, but they had to basically retract it. And, and, and. Well, you, uh, well, Bob, you know, given your penchant for exploring metaphysical matters in the yeah. world, 
you know, there there are two levels here. There's a level of truth and what happened and a sober evaluation of that. Then there's the level of what happened in the media and what people think happened and what, you know, and how things get played about in terms of um, argumentation. Yeah. And so the core of my argument is that the reality is plain. There was an attack and Trump helped that attack. And helped it by denying it was happening. Yes. And and maybe. And we don't know. We don't know how much he knew about what was actually happening. Well, we know we, we know that, you know, we know that his upper echelon were informed that Russian wanted to involve wanted to, you know was 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 aiming to be involved mm-hmm. and so getting out there and saying it's not russia when you have no basis for saying it now your argument a moment ago was you could get out there and say we don't know what's happening but i can guarantee you that i'm not a, a stooge for russia and mm-hmm. i and i and i ask all parties to stay out of the election and anyone has any information mm-hmm. to come forward that is the honest honorable thing to do in which you don't have to lie you know, you just yeah. take, and even if you think it's happening, you can still be happy it's happening. But that's the honest thing to say. But to get that out there and say, no, this is not happening, you know, mm-hmm. and to uh, to echo what Vladimir Putin was saying while it was happening, it gets back to the bank robber. The bank robber saying, I'm not robbing the bank. And you say, the bank robber's not robbing the bank, but the bank is being robbed. You are, it's not as if you're saying, I don't care, or whatever happens with the bank robbery, I will still, you know, support the FDIC. You know, it, you, you are on the side of the bank robber, you are helping the bank robber. And I think you're, you know, you're, you're trying to look, be a little too generous towards the Trump campaign here. They knew, you know, they knew what the consensus was. They had evidenced themselves to believe this. Who knows exactly what Manafort knew, but he was meeting with a Russian intelligence agency. Trump knew that he had lied to the public about his dealings with Russia. He knew that he was actually in some ways, you know, in a blackmailable position. He was telling the public he had nothing to do with Russia. He had, Michael Cohen had called Putin's office to try to get help on this deal. At any moment in time, Putin or, you know, Dmitry uh, Peskov could have come out and said, I can tell you Trump is working with us. I got a phone call. I got emails. I got receipt, receipts. Wait, this he is about the real knew. estate deal in Moscow? This is, yes. th- that's what Cohen, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, look, so he, I mean, he knew he was lying to the public. He knew Russia knew okay. that he was lying to the public. I mean, there's so much here. Uh, okay. It wasn't just a matter of like, oh, any normal politician would have sort of said the same thing. No, this was an extraordinary relationship, an extraordinary circumstance. Sure. And and so, yeah, so other people went out there and expected it to be more collusive, if that's a word mm-hmm. or not. If not, it should be. Um, and I think in some ways, the Manafort connection with Klimnik still is, is, is somewhat interesting. But the reality here is, uh, you know, what, what, you know, it's what Michael Isakoff and I, let me go get it. Let me go get it. He wrote a whole book, you know, Russian Roulette, number one bestseller, in which we don't argue there was collusion. We argue mm-hmm. there were interactions. We argue. But that hasn't Michael backed off? Hasn't Michael backed off of some of this stuff? No. There, back, no, no, not at all. He's criticized you know, he, media he, coverage. He's no, done he, one. He, he, he's been critical of 
the coverage of Michael Steele, excuse me, Michael Steele, sorry, Michael, Christopher Steele. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the book itself, we write about how Steele, you know, didn't believe, you know, 50% of what he put, he, these, you know, he was collecting uh, unconfirmed tips and that Steele himself did not, you know, thought maybe there was a 50-50 chance that the P-tape was correct. So he, you know, so he has, and he has been critical of some people in the media for overreaching and overstating the case for collusion. But we in the book don't make a case for collusion. We talk about the denial and how the effect that had and the interactions that were clearly going on between the Trump campaign and and, and various Russians, including you know, Manafort and Kalimnik. Although at the time we wrote the book, we didn't have as much information about that as has since come out. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, you know, it's, you know, Trump was one out, out there who kept saying collusion, collusion, collusion. There's no collusion. And everyone kind of followed along. And some of the media got caught in that trap. Um, and you and you have a situation now where people like um, Matt Taibbi, Aaron Maté, and, and, and Glenn Greenwald get out there and say it was all a hoax. All the Russia stuff was a hoax. And that is a cover-up of what we've been discussing, what really, truly happened. Because when they say that, they also are, you know, diminishing or dismissing or denying that the Russian attack even happened. They don't even acknowledge that. Now, I know you try to set up a, a, a conversation between Glenn, Glenn Greenwald and myself on this matter, and I've offered to all these guys, you know, not Matt Matte because I don't I don't take him seriously, but I, I you know, Andrew Sullivan was skeptical. Um, Taibbi's been skeptical. Greenwald's been skeptical. Denied that there was anything Russia. They just call it a hoax. I have said, you know, read the Senate, you know, report, and then let's have the Senate Intelligence Committee report, and then let's have a conversation about what we know and what we don't know. And to this day, none of them have taken me up on that. So they're calling all this a hoax. In and of itself, is a hoax. It denies that what it denies what Russian did, and denies how Trump, you know, um, helped okay. enable that. Okay, listen, my alarm's going off, and what that means is we've done about an hour. We had uh, said, you know, by by prior arrangement, um, we're going to do about an hour, and then we're going to uh, continue the conversation, uh, but in a special place, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a place. That's uh, accessible to paid subscribers of uh, the Non-Zero Newsletter. I actually want to talk about this a couple minutes more before we do that, before we adjourn. But I want to say that you, as the proprietor of a newsletter, now I'm sure sympathize with the fact that uh, one does have to make a living. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, what, what, what we're doing more of this now of, uh, you know, putting some of the conversation behind a paywall, we're still... We're still talking, uh, you know, about as long as we ever did in the in the public domain, so to speak. Uh, so it's not like uh, we're taking stuff away that was once publicly accessible. But um, we will continue this conversation a little, and of course, uh, get to a subject uh, perhaps dearer to my heart, uh, which is my book uh, on Buddhism. Um, and and you will adopt me as your spiritual leader and life coach. Um, the uh, so let me just quickly uh, you by the way you can uh, well you can go 
to non-zero Substack and subscribe there. You can also, on, on your podcast app, if you look at the show notes, there's a link to that. So you can go uh, from your smartphone. Um, the uh, w- One quick point, and then you can do a quick point, and then we can adjourn to the special place. Uh, on the collusion front, now, first of all, I mean, I, I don't I don't know whether these guys have used the word hoax or whether various people you mentioned, I, I don't, um, you know, they can speak for themselves. Uh, I don't know exactly what they've said. The, uh, uh, I, I will say, um, ju- just to, uh, you know, Jeff Gerth, uh, I remember reading him in the New York Times decades ago and thinking, this guy's a good investigative reporter. I, I wish you were a better writer. Uh, and and that 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 uh, I mean you know I don't mean he's not a bad writer. It's just that it wasn't always completely clear what the significance was. It wasn't crystallized as much up front as I would have liked. And uh, that was true of this twenty thousand word epic in Columbia Journalism Review. And one thing I took away from his uh, his uh, appearance on Aaron Maté's podcast was he said something he didn't say in the I think in the whole twenty thousand words, which is hard to said, believe. Yeah, well, I know he had plenty of time, but I think this is what somebody had said to him after reading it. They, they had said, so basically, in other words, there were two strands that the media uh, covered. They covered Russian interference in the election, and they covered these various connections uh, of Trump-related people to Russia. And first of all, they probably overstated both the significance of both in some cases, but moreover, they sometimes said and often implied there was a link between these two narrative strands. And that's what they just never nailed down. And that's the collusion part. And, and so that's what, if Gerth had a chance to write a new lead paragraph, I think maybe that would be in there, but, but, but I, before we adjourn and I'll give you a chance to respond, uh, briefly, um, I would just say about the collusion thing, um, you know, look, there was plenty of opportunity. It could have, it could well have, ha- I'm not denying that it happened. It could have happened. Uh, God knows, look, Manafort owed this guy, owed these guys money. Manafort would have been happy to say, hey, how about this? Instead of paying you back the money, you help us get elected. And then I'll do you favors once I have influence within the Trump administration. Manafort would do that in a heartbeat. He's completely, you know, as uh, so far as I can tell, without scruple. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that something like that could have happened. I will say, if you look at Trump's actual policies, he didn't actually do Russia many favors. It's interesting that the one time, you know, he okayed the weapons going to Ukraine, and then the one time he froze that and held it up was so that it was in an attempt to use it as leverage to dig up dirt on Joe Biden, real or fabricated. Who knows whether he thinks the dirt is real or fabricated, but, you know, we know that story. It led to the, 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 the impeachment uh, hearing and, and, uh, and was it a hearing? Well, whatever happened, I get my impeachment. It led to what it led to an impeachment. First and, impeachment. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so he did briefly do what Russia would have liked, which is say, which is say, I'm not going to send these weapons to Ukraine, but he could only do that because he'd already approved the weapon sale. You know, Trump. There were ju- lots. Of, he, he did, yeah, I think you'd agree. He did a lot of things Russia would rather he not have done, including sanctions, weapons to Ukraine, 
the sanction story is that there are a lot of you know we we have this in in, in the paperback edition of Russian Roulette. There were people at the State Department who wanted more forceful sanctions on Russia, and the mm-hmm. White House intervened. And a lot of the stuff they were able to do, they often did by kind of doing an end run around Russia. You remember in um, May of 2017, Trump had Lavrov, uh, the foreign minister of Russia, and, and Ambassador Sergei Kislyak in the Oval Office, and he was laughing it up with them. And he said he didn't care about what Russia had done in the 2016 yeah. election. I mean, he, you know, and then of course at Helsinki, he's basically said he trusted when Putin denied it, he trusted Putin more than he trusted his own intelligence community. That was created all uh I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty damn clear that whatever he did or didn't do, he was certainly better for Russia than Hillary Clinton would have been. And now we have Trump right. out there. Yeah, uh, that's probably true. Him. You know, I would have been ter- better for Russia than Hillary Clinton would have been. Yeah, for sure. you, know, you know, talking about you know yielding you know territory to to, to Russia after this horrific invasion. So, um, well, Obama know, did that in effect, but yeah, I mean but, Crimea. But, yeah, but you know, you know, R- R- Russia made a calculation. He was better for them than she would have been. They acted on it, yeah. and in a in a subversive way to undermine and attack American democracy. And he accepted the help. And 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 help them, you know, get away with it in a sense by claiming it wasn't happening. He exploited this 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 uh, foreign attack. So I think that you know remains the big issue. And so when people say there's nothing there and that it's all a hoax, which is indeed what the Greenwald crowd claims, you know, they are being dishonest. They are helping. Russia in its in, in in their way this way, and they are helping Trump, and they are basically covering up what I think is a historic scandal. I mean, whatever you want to say about Manafort, you know, um, if if he's a you know sleazebag, he was a sleazebag who Trump hired, and if he's cutting a deal with Russia while he's running the Trump campaign, we've never seen anything like that. That's worse than Watergate. It's clearly worse than Watergate. Um, worse than so, Watergate. Um, you know, I, I think this is an, an, an a, 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 you know, what one president might say, a big fucking deal. And I think the media lost track. I, you know, you know, Girth attacks the media for, you know, getting it wrong on, you know, collusion and the Steele dossier. But he, in doing that, that's how he defines the whole issue. Mm-hmm. Things that we've been talking about, the Russian attack itself um, and the impact it had. And Trump's, you know, covering up of it, you know, he 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 totally um, doesn't talk about it as a thing or as media coverage. So in the way, his whole piece ends up reaffor- reaffirming or reinforcing the Trump narrative, which is that the Russian story is just about whether there was collusion and the and the lousy intelligence or information in the Steele dossier, and it's so and all that's a hoax. Hoax, 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 hoax. The Russia, 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 Russia hoax. So, so, Girth accepts uh, the the Trump Trumpian definition of what happened, and and that I think is the greatest disservice of the piece. And well, people in Washington have long derided his writing abilities. He's also had you know trouble 
with his coverage of Wet Holy and Whitewater and other things, which I think made him a particularly odd choice for the guy to dig into all this. But that can be, we can get into that on another okay. podcast. Yes, and, and maybe we'll yeah. I, well, I doubt we'll get into that part in in the special place we're about to go to. But we we'll, we'll talk a little more about this. We'll talk about Buddhism and uh, your. Uh, your meditation practice. I don't even know if you have one, but we'll find out. So uh, everyone bit. everyone um, should subscribe to your newsletter, Our Land. They should subscribe to my newsletter, Non-Zero. And if they are uh, paid subscribers, they will see uh, the rest of this conversation. But thanks to everybody else who's, uh, who's listened this far. Um, and we'll see you next time.